Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. A dream mason is a person who's brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. I know we all have a dream mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner dream mason, because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up, and welcome back to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I am a Dream Mason, a performance and mindfulness coach. I work with leaders, creators, and innovators, those brave enough to build their dreams. If you're a high performer looking for an edge with a desire to expand your leadership, generate more money, more time, and feel more fulfilled, working with me will support you in making that life a reality. Now, if you haven't already, please support me and this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube. Follow me, Inspirational Alex, on Instagram, and please share this podcast with a friend. What's up? Welcome back to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova, and I'm excited today because I have a friend on the podcast, but not just a friend because I bring cool friends on the podcast, but someone who I learn a lot from, someone who um, I think has a very like dynamic business, does a lot and has a lot of information and wealth of knowledge, not through just through her own experience of her life, but also through what she's out in the world doing and learning. Uh, our guest today is Corrine Summers. Corrine is an international meditation teacher, a Reiki master, a wellness coach, an entrepreneur, a yoga instructor, and someone who just told me before we started recording that I need to slow down a little bit. (laughs) What's up? (laughs) Thanks for being here. Oh, man, what an introduction. Well, Alex, thanks so much for having me. The feeling is mutual. One of my biggest inspirations and such a great friend. Really happy to be here. Excited to see where this takes us. Yeah, it's, you know, I want to, I want to share just with the audience, like how we met because it's totally, I think it totally speaks to the world we live in and the fact that people can embrace it in the way that we did. Um, I was traveling to Chicago a lot. You live in Chicago. Uh, I wanted to meet uh, like a yoga instructor or somebody who was doing more spiritual energy kind of work and partner with them on something. And while the thing that we had originally talked about didn't happen, we got to create a friendship in the process, which I have it is way more valuable than that thing. We could always go do that thing, but creating the relationship we have is super unique. And I basically wrote it on Facebook. I was like, Hey, who knows somebody in Chicago? And next thing I knew, I got some names and we connected, hit it off. And, and it's really cool. And now we're here. And that was what, probably a year ago ish. Yeah. I think around then. I know it was that one phone call. I think we spoke for an hour, only maybe an eighth of it about what we actually meant to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think, I mean, we, I've, I know I've, I said in intro, I've learned a ton from you and I know, I mean, I don't know what you've learned from me, but I know that we, we go back and forth and we share a lot of business and entrepreneurial things. Um, and I also want to come for people that are listening to this and not watching it the background that the space you are sitting in is like, it almost looks like a serene, peaceful little temple. Um, and I know it's not that, but that's what it, that's the energy. It's really beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot to creating, uh, that kind of vibe in your home. You know, I sit here a lot, so I like to surround myself with my plants and my salt lamp it's me well, in a good mood. What does it do? What do you actually think that it does for you and your business? Because you're an entrepreneur, right? You have businesses and you're sitting in what looks like a Zen garden. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this is actually creating a meditation space is something that I talk to my clients a lot about. Not even just a meditation space, but you know, maybe it's a sanctuary for sleep or sanctuary for your self-care and your own relaxation. Uh, it kind of just sets the tone and that's the mood for relaxing or whatever it is you want it to be. Maybe it's just things that make you feel happy or make you feel calm. For me, I like to burn incense, sometimes scented candles. I like my salt lamp and my plants. 
have a good book nearby, you know? Yeah. What about you? Do you have a space in your house that is kind of like set out for you to do more? I know it's good for also reflection or if you want to plan something, it just kind of gets you in your mental state of flow. If you will. I I do have a space. It's not as curated as yours. Um, but now you want it to be, you're going to go buy some plants and a salt lamp, aren't you? (laughs) I do want it to be. So I'll tell you what I do. So like, I actually work from all over, so it's tough to like have a like a central because I'm always like in different places. But um, I have kind of a little shrine area in my in my room that isn't. I say shrine like very loosely, right? I don't sit and pray to it, but it's it's very kind of motivating and spiritual. There's like things on it, little statues that my grandparents brought me when I was younger from like, there's one from Africa. There's one from China. Uh, there's a, like a Buddha from China that they brought when I was a little kid. I didn't even know what Buddha was, you know, they just brought back cool things. And so I have relics that are like from my grandparents. I have things I've collected. I have things that are like playful and silly. Um, and that's kind of set up in one aspect of my room. And I think that that just kind of gives like the energy that comes off it is, is soothing. But then on my desk where I work, the the top right corner actually is covered with things that make me smile, laugh. Um, there's a candle or two. There's, there's a, there's a Buddha on a spring. Like it's actually a little baby Buddha. And like, so when you kind of touch it, it like bounces around bounces and, it's, around and it's, dances. Yeah. <laughs> it's like playful. Um, but what I also do, which I think is the biggest impact is, and I'm totally blanking on what it's called right now. You will know what's the, ma- um, it's the masculine, it's the wood that you burn. Um, Incense totally or, just, or sage? Yeah, but it's, sage is like the feminine. What's the masculine? Um, there's a P it's wood that you actually burn the wood and I'm totally blanking on the name. Um, you I am totally, too. I can't think of it. I probably, if you say it, I'll know what it is. But right now, I can't. Ah, I can't. I can't think of it. I'm really sorry. I'm failing epically. Failing here. It's okay. Yeah. Um, no. But I, well, I learned that That's it was totally a, my woo-woo like realm. I should know. I should know. But uh, I'm t- I'm totally blanking on what it you. is. But it, it basically, I burn it, and I love like. Yeah. So I'll be on a coaching call with a client, and I love like just watching the smoke like come off it. Not sandalwood, is it? It might. No, I mean, no, I don't think so. But I love why, like the smoke and the aroma that it puts off. It, it is very soothing and very calming and gets me into, it's almost like just enough distraction that I'm not pulled enough away that I can be with somebody, but yet right. also not be like so hyper-focused that you're like too much in the space, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. I, well, also, I also think that things like that, it, it can be... Um, you know, they can strike a certain memory. You mentioned your little trinkets from your grandparents and photos. I think those are really good things to keep around too, because they remind you of something positive. They maybe you smile and give you a little boost in your mood or remind you of an adventure that you had or a time that you felt really creative or, um, you know, things from around the world, you know, you can't see, but actually my entire house looks like this. So it started with one area and then it just started overflowing into, um, my house. And I also love the Marie Kondo approach of only keep things that spark joy. You know, why wouldn't you, especially this day and age when we live in a city and you only have so much space, maybe you feel trapped in it sometimes. Why wouldn't you surround yourself with as many things that kind of spark your joy as possible? Like little memories. And for me, like incense, I, it reminds me of the ashram I spent time in in India. And so for me, it puts me in that, you know, state of, state of being again, just to smell it. Some people don't like incense. So maybe you use a scented candle that you really like. Or I remember what, I, I know what I burn. I just remembered what it's called. What is it? It's, it's Palo Santo. Oh, oh yeah. I should have known that. I don't use that one. So yeah, but it's, I love, I, I constantly am like, lighting it, burning it, and, you know, walking around with it at times. But will you, will you tell the story? You know, that's a bigger in California. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, will you tell the story of how you actually got here? You know, you weren't born a Reiki master, international meditation teacher. Like how did, how did you get where you are now? Uh, great question. And you know, it's a bit of a long story. I'll try to keep it quick. Just cut me off if I start rambling or anything. But uh, I actually spent a decade in finance, which was 
something I always thought I was meant to do. My dad was a financial advisor. I started working in his office when I was in high school. You know, it's like what I did. I uh, helped him out and everyone always told me I was a natural at it and it was what I should do. And so I kind of continued down that path. Um, I think, you know, just more out of everyone told me that it was what I should do. I was good at it. It didn't, I didn't really have any other ideas or other passions for what I wanted to do at the time either. I sort of kept along there, but I was never really driven or super passionate. I never felt, um, I guess the way I do now about what I do in that job then. And there was something in me that knew I was missing something, even though I didn't know what the picture was yet. And so down the road, you know, some things unfolded. Um, it was kind of a combination of being really, really reaching peak stress in my finance job. Um, having an opportunity to take a break from my finance job, which I did and traveled to India, Nepal, Tibet, Sri Lanka for four months and studied all this wellness stuff. Um, and then I was also starting to deal with an autoimmune some autoimmune issues around the same time. Um, so all of these things kind of, kind of came together, but it was my trip to India, Nepal, and Tibet, where I studied these things um, that really, I guess, sparked the passion or made me realize that I had it. One, that I was good at it. I'd already done yoga and meditation, but um, I really dove into those things and studied holistic you know, nutrition, Ayurveda, um, and anything I could possibly get my hands on, I spent... 12 days in silence at an ashram, um, in complete silence. And, you know, I really took the inward, the inward journey. And when I came back to the States, it, you know, that was it. It was, that was, uh, February, 2012. So right on seven years, uh, came back immediately enrolled in a yoga teacher training and started that later that year. Um, moved out to Seattle, started my yoga teacher training and really launched my my path to becoming a teacher and just haven't stopped since finally went full-time. I did it part-time for a while, um, starting then. And then I finally went full-time about three years ago now. So what a fun journey. Now it's like an exciting adventure every day of creating. And Well, so do you think you like, what was the, was the, was the experience the thing that was like, I have to do this or was it the combination of the experience and the health issues? Or was it like just the health issues? Like I have to change my life. Ah, good question. Uh, so it was a little bit of, I really needed these tools. So I came back, I started getting sicker and sicker. My trip had also kind of, um, triggered a lot of the issues that I had. So I didn't know it at the time, but I was still, I was battling Lyme disease and it's very bacterial related and came into contact with a lot of, you know, crazy stuff. You know, you don't think about it when we travel, but we're coming into contact with lots of different kinds of bacteria that maybe our bodies aren't used to. And especially if you have any kind of underlying health issues, maybe your body isn't fully prepared to work through them. And so I actually got extra sick when I came back. And that was, it kind of at the same time set off one, a deep need in me to use these tools to heal myself and keep myself sane. Um, it was helping me mitigate my stress as well from my corporate you know, job and the health issues I was going through. We all have our own things that are stress related. So I kind of lumped that all together. Um, these tools helped me deal with my stress. And I do believe that the stress and the health stuff, you know, they were kind of feeding each other. Um, when we're stressed, our bodies aren't in a place to fight sickness. So it, they're really commingled, I guess, so you basically went on a journey, you created a whole, all these new practices, you came back, you shifted your, your life in the sense of you turned your focus while you still had your finance job. And then there came a point where you actually left finance. Yes. What, I think the thing that's the, the most powerful thing here for, because so many people that listen to this or out there in the world, they want to leave their jobs. They want to do something else. Maybe they know what it is. Maybe they don't. But the thing that often stops most of us is simply the courage, the courage and the belief that, hey, we can actually do it, that we can handle what comes up, that we can get out there and we'll be able to make it work. How did that go for you? What was that process like? Uh, well, it was definitely a process. And I think that's one thing that I really like to remind people that it takes time. It was a journey, um, mostly a journey into myself. 
and into believing myself, I think, that I could do it. Um, I've definitely been, you know, there have been a lot of people along the way telling me that I couldn't do it. And there have been a lot of people telling me I shouldn't do it. And they couldn't believe that I would give up the security of a very good job in finance, health insurance, stability, all the things most people work very hard, you know, big bonuses, all the things most people work really hard for um, to achieve in their lives. And I just knew that there was something different I was supposed to be doing. And I believed in that more than anything else. Um, And so, you know, it wasn't like I had like this huge, I've had support for sure. Um, But I really believed in myself and I really just kept working at it. And I knew that every day I was taking action towards my goals. And at some point I was able to financially, you know, I had, I had set financial goals as well along the way. So, you know, I don't think I was stupid about anything. Um, worked with my partner on it and different things like that. Um, so I had, and I had saved up a lot of money from working in finance before I took the big leap, but. I know that for me, it was, it's funny. We do, we were, we like do all the things we're supposed to do to get where we are, whether it's like going to schools and, and getting other degrees and, working our way up in companies. And then when we find this other thing that we want, it's kind of like we're like leaving a relationship behind. We're leaving something that we had spent our whole lives thinking was important behind. It's just because it's an attachment. You know, we, we have all these attachments to things and we don't even realize that we're energetically attaching ourselves through our whole lives to what people expect of us, what people tell us they think of us. Every time someone tells you they think something about you, there's part of you that receives it and may let it impact you. And so I think it's really, you know, things that I learned, it was the techniques that I learned that actually helped me make it where I am right now. Um, Very meta, you know, it's like all of these things that I learned gave me what I needed to be here now telling you these things. Um, But it was digging deep figuring out who I really was. And that was the first part. You know, people want to be at the intention manifesting part and want to be in the, the part where they're building their business, they're building their brand, they're being successful right away. And they forget that there's this whole journey in there that you're becoming who you are and that that's an exciting part too. And that every part of that, every little step is something that you learn and that you grow from and that becomes a part of your story. And you have to figure out who you really are first before you can hold true to that against all the chaos and the people that are going to tell you that you can't do it and the people that are going to tell you no and all of those things. Well, I don't know. Do you feel that, that way? Well, you introduced something really interesting because how do people, how does somebody listening find out who they really are? I don't know if we have time for all that today. <laughs> well, okay. If it's, like we're not going to walk somebody through an exercise on this on in this podcast but if you're listening to this and you're like well maybe I don't know who I really am how would I what would be like a first step a first or second step from your perspective on somebody going to find out mm, that actually leads really well into what we were talking about uh earlier before our chat today which is slowing down i think we have lost ourselves in our the chaos of our modern world Um, you know, when you even think for a little bit about the difference in society and culture over the last hundred years, people today work too hard. They do too much. We have introduced technology, which has become a huge responsibility for most people, especially if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, um, or really doing anything in any, in the business world, if you're alive, if you're alive, I guess, unless you're chopping wood for a living, like you're using the internet way too much. Um, we're <laughs> like, we're on our computers, we're on our phones. I have clients tell me all the time that, uh, cause sleep is a big issue for people. And one of the first things I say is create a digital curfew. I'm like what? I go to sleep with my phone in my hand. I'm like, yeah, that's why you can't fall asleep. <laughs> we are addicted to stimulation and we are surrounded by it all the time and we don't know what to do when we don't have it. But the only way you figure out who you are is to be away from stimulation and to actually dig in deep 
and do the hard stuff and look at yourself like meditation. People can't start there though. Meditation isn't even the first step. If you just start with just. Well, I hear you saying simple. like, we just have to get quiet. We have to, you know, if it, it's funny, if we just think about relationships, think about how many relationships it exists where people wake up next to each other. Maybe they say good morning. Maybe they don't, you know, who knows? Cause a lot of people wake up at even different times, right? One runs off to yoga, one rolls out of bed and gets coffee or takes the animals out or whatever it is. Right. They shower, they get ready, they go to work. Right? Or they're both laying there side by side on their phones. Maybe. Yeah. Or there's kids and they're like, like, like herding cats to get the kids to yeah. all the things. Right. Yeah. So let's just say we have typical morning for most people is some version of that, of that. And then they got to get ready. They get to work. They're apart most of the day. And then maybe there's some texting. Maybe there's a phone call. Like, depends on the couple, right? Some people, I know plenty of relationships that they don't talk all day long. It's like, when I'm at work, I'm at work. And I don't do personal life. And then I know other people who have, there's, you know, more, I'm more of a connection person throughout the day. Like, it's a way I take breaks is to connect with that person that I'm with. Um, And... And then we come home, or maybe we don't, maybe there's all activities and post-work networking or whatever it is we do, the gym or whatever it is. But by the time we get home, and then what is home? Maybe it's dinner. Maybe it's dinner in front of the TV. Maybe it's dinner in front of the TV and your phone. In one hand, the TV in the other, you're like eating like a dog with your face in the bowl. Um, But when you think about it, it's like how much of, how are two people even supposed to connect with each other? with that. Right. And that's, that's something is like, we didn't even introduce all the other factors that exist in life. And I think I'm thinking about it because if that's the way we work in a relationship, think about when we're with ourselves, we do even more of it because we're even more distracted. Yep. Pretty much. You nailed it. I mean, I'm like, you just you if, painted the picture of the way 95% of people are living. If so, if all we did was eliminate something like, hey, when we have dinner, we're going to just sit with each other and with our food and like connect. Whether it be by myself, you know, whether let's just say it was me and I'm by myself eating dinner, I have no stimulation. It's just me and the food, but not even a book even at times, like just me and the food, like one thing. Um, yes. And, or like you and your partner and it's like the two of you and your food and nothing else. And, and maybe you communicate, but that in itself is could be could be less could be actual connection and not distraction, depending on what you're talking about. Yeah, completely. You know, so you mentioned something. I think it's important to remember that our brains can actually only focus, or they're only designed to focus, meant to focus on one thing at a time, and to do that one thing really well. But most of us today grew up in a culture of multitasking, and where we were told that we're you know, that isn't true. And we're always trying to do more than one thing at a time, which means we can do kind of none of those things really well. You bring up eating meals. That's a really good one. Often people are trying to talk, watch TV and eat their meal. They barely even register that they're eating their meal. Therefore, they're not satisfied. Their brain doesn't register. Maybe they're still hungry. Maybe they overeat. All of these different things. Um, We've lost the art of living in the moment. And we've lost the art of real connection, even though we're the most connected society, technically, from a technology standpoint, we're the most connected society. But we don't, we don't really connect with each other, even when we're in the same room together, like you said. Yeah. I want to, since we're friends, I'm going to do this because <laughs> they don't always do this. But I almost want to challenge you in one, one aspect of what you said. And okay. I, actually, I actually want to do it in service of people listening. Because when you said, I think there's a lot of people that will say, hey, we're, what do you mean we're designed to do one thing at a time as a brand? And I, I want to open it up versus like disagree with you because I don't disagree with you. But what I think is we limit that idea. And like our brains are radically complex organisms that are, are that beyond capable of anything we even realize. We don't even realize all the things our brains can do. And even if we go back to the earliest days as human beings, if you and I were out hunting for like a buffalo or like trying to find berries, whatever we're doing, right? Because you, you probably don't eat buffalo. <laughs> uh, you would be like, no, no we're, not hunting. We're, not, we're not hunting. We're not going to hunt. We're not going to kill any. Kidding. But um, so we're out, we're, we're, we're hunting and gathering, whatever. 
our brains actually have to do multiple things, right? Our brains are actually walking. They're looking out for each other. They're making sure a tiger doesn't jump out. We're also looking for the things that we're looking for. We have to remember where we went and how to get back. There's tons of things our brains are doing at once. But I think that what you're speaking to is like, while we're walking hunting, we're also not writing a blog entry about the movie we saw last night. It's like the things we're doing are all encompassing and they're, they're not split focus, which is kind of what I, what I hear you saying or which, where I really agree with you is like, if I'm going to watch a movie, watch the movie. If I'm going to be on Instagram, be on Instagram. If I'm going to, you know, have a conversation with you or my partner or whoever, have the conversation. But having the conversation while watching a movie, while on Instagram, while reading the news, the things are all disconnected and they don't actually contribute to the one thing. Yes. And I think there's, you know, I just want to bring up the idea of balance in general. I'm not saying that we can't multitask or that we won't achieve anything by multitasking. Uh, People are proving that wrong all the time out there, but it's not the best thing for your brain. You're going to be better at each individual task. If you do them one at a time, you're also going to have a more meaningful life. You're going to be really living and experiencing life in the moment as it's happening rather than living in a world of thoughts where you're constantly preoccupied, you're too overwhelmed to be, you know, you're splitting your attention and your time between multiple different things at once. And that we're doing it all the time. You know, using your example of hunter gatherers, that was one small part of maybe their day, maybe their week, what, you know, whatever. And then they're having a lot of other slow, relaxing time. These days we're multitasking at work and at home. When you painted the picture perfectly earlier, people are just constantly multitasking. So your brain is constantly under that state of stress. And then you're also triggering the fight or flight response in your body. So you're also sending all these warning signals, messing up with your hormones, you know, and causing actual physical tension in your body. It's, it's a physical hardwired response at that point. And then you're living with it chronically. People don't even realize that they're living with chronic stress because they've gotten so used to it because of that whole cycle of things we just talked about. And so that's my worry and my fear. You know, I know how connected stress is to um, illness and I've experienced that myself um, over the last 10 years. Uh, I'm always the sickest if I have something stressful going on. And that's why it was absolutely imperative for me to learn how to deal with my stress in a healthy way, because otherwise it, you know, I would be in a very different position in my health and my life right now. What are some of the best ways that you like tools that you use to deal with stress on like a regular basis? Um, my breathing exercises, like just even taking a big breath, like sit there right now, close your eyes for a minute. Okay. Relax your shoulders away from your ears. Feel your spine lengthen through the crown of your head. Take a big breath in through your belly and feel your belly button expand away from your body. Feel the sides of your belly, the sides of your ribs expand, and then the front of your chest expand. Feel your chest lift as your breath rises to the top of your throat. And then a long, slow exhale. Feel your chest deflate, the sides of your ribs and belly deflate. Pull your belly button back towards your spine. Take a couple more like that or just open your eyes. I don't like how far my belly extends when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love you. Best response uh, <laughs> I've ever had. <laughs> um, it's so great that that's... I, uh, I, had a, I had a client that reached out to me recently and outside of a session and it was... They were having a... I want to say a fight or flight response basically to something that was going on in their business that was they got really fearful about and the first thing we did when they, when we got on the phone, which they, and the thing that what they were fearful about, I would say 99% of us would have been in a panic about. So this was not anything that anybody wouldn't have, like everybody would have a reaction to this. Um, unless you just don't have reactions to things basically. And, which, um, what'd you say? I said, some people are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're a sociopath, right? Like, you right. know, um, and there's a handful of those. Um, so, but the first, it's great. Cause you know, I don't know if I, where I know this from, I think just 
I don't know, reading experience yoga, but the first thing we did was breathe. Just like, hey, will you just breathe with me? And the funny thing is, they could have done this all on their own, right? But like mm-hmm. me just saying, hey, take a deep breath. Just stop. Like they kept trying to talk. I was like, just stop. Take a deep breath. And then the second thing was, like, I don't, you know, you're, I want to, you're like a breathing expert in a way. Um, but it was like, hey, I know, like, let your exhales last longer than your inhales. And it slows everything down. It calms you down. And about three or four, and the panic was gone. Yep. Now Calmed we could your act- nervous system. We could have a real conversation about what was going on, which they were still afraid of. But, I mean, imagine talking to somebody while you're sitting in a chair versus talking to somebody while they're running uphill on a treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't It's, like, really hard to have a conversation running uphill on a treadmill. That's a great... You've really painted the mental picture there a lot. <laughs> um, that's a great. What, what, do. Uh, no, but I think it, you know it's a physical. Just like um, stress can be a negative, hardwired response in your body, you can change it around to a positive just as quick. So that's why the breath is so powerful. It, meditation takes time. You have to be both focused and relaxed to be able to meditate. Most people aren't there yet. Just breathing is that physical jolt you need to pull yourself back into your body, which pulls you into the present moment, which gives you the moment for everything to kind of catch up. And that's why you end up with that moment of clarity because you, it calms your nervous system. It sends that signal from your brain to your body instead of the signal of fight or flight, panic, everything's on fire, you know, emergency, emergency, react, combust. Um, You're sending the message of chill out. Everything's okay. Take a big breath. You're and you're forcing that by taking that that chance to slow down. Yeah, I love that. I think that's the thing that most people that don't meditate or aren't familiar with meditation um, don't actually realize is there's nothing magical. There's nothing. It doesn't have to be a spiritual thing. It doesn't. It it can it can just be a th- it can just be a pause button or a stop button that has you. Like it's like rebooting your computer. Sometimes your computer like doesn't work, right? Because there's like too many things running, yeah. and or your phone. This happens with our phones all the time, right? They they get weird and wonky. And what do you do? You turn it off and turn it back on, and it works fine. And sometimes I think of meditation or breathing like that is, hey, let's just like turn all the apps off that are going on inside of us, yes. and then let's reboot the system. And it gets you to your point. It puts you in the present because I think rebooting the system for yeah. human. We have too many apps on. Mm-hmm. But the app and the apps that are on are typically issues with the past or worries about the future. Always. They're always one of those two things. Actually, it's an excellent. One of my number one points I always make, you're either worried about the past, something that you can't control that already happened, beating yourself up for it, judging yourself, being critical, or worrying about something that hasn't happened yet, which you also, the only thing you can do about the future is control the moment you're in right now. Mm-hmm. So that's why coming back to the present moment is so important because you can't be lost in that world of thoughts if you're actually here right now. And for most, I know it doesn't, that doesn't resonate with everyone. You know, some people are like they don't understand exactly how it works. I think you have to give it a shot. That's why I tell people just try it. You know, you will believe it when you just see it, and you because you do it and you do it for yourself, and you feel the physical yeah. change in your body. Nobody can argue with the way they feel when they do these things. For most of us, most of the time, the present moment is actually okay, right? There are exceptions to that rule, right? If you're getting beat up, the present moment is not okay. If something traumatic is actually happening, but for most of us, most of the time, the present moment is actually okay and calm and peaceful. And I think the thing that we forget is that we can actually handle whatever is in the present moment. What you, most of us, most of the time can handle it, especially the people that are talking right. to you, listening to you, listening to me. There's a, um, there's a guru who does tons of talks and has a ton of books. His, I don't know how you pronounce his name, so I'm a butcher, but his name is Sadhguru. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He does this. He gets asked this question at one point where someone's like, how do I take your message to the people that are starving and in poverty and whatever? And he, his response is, do I look that dumb? Do you, why would you think that I would do that? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, those people need basic things. They need food. They need shelter. They need clean water. Why would I take 
this conversation about, you know, the way we're thinking. And when he's like, I'm sitting in a room full of people whose bellies are bulging, whose brains are bulging, whose wallets are bulging. It's a totally different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to watch. That's, that's amazing. I'd like want to clap for him right now. <laughs> oh, he's, I, he is such a perfect answer. Well, I'll tell you, so like if people... And when you're, you know, we forget that we have a responsibility for those. When we've learned something, it's almost our responsibility, I think, as a community of humans to share what we know. Have you heard of the hero's journey? I just... Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone actually just recently brought it up to me, so I feel really behind on it. But, you know, I think it's a part of our responsibility as humans and in general to you know, when we know something to be that elevates us to a different level of humanity. Um, I won't, you know, get into the whole, how, you know, the energetic vibrations and all of that today, but, uh, you know, it, it up levels you. And once you're there, it's like, why would you bring yourself down to match somebody else doing something negative? Why wouldn't you instead want to show them that there's a different way now, you know, and it, it being, being more compassionate to others and, um, once you've experienced something, it's again, it's our responsibility to do, to do that. I think. Yeah. And you bring up a cool point in the sense of it's our responsibility to share, but not be attached to what people do with it. And like, I shared right. this thing with you, right? Like you can go read this guy's stuff. You can go listen to it or not. It's up to you at that point. It's like, I've done, I've shared the thing and I let it go. Yeah. I think we get in trouble often in, in partnerships and relationships where we're like, did you listen to the thing that I told you? Did you watch the thing that I told you? It's all ego. It's tit for tat. It's this, yeah. did you do this? Did you do that? And that's no way to live. Honestly, why wouldn't you want to protect your own peace? First of all, like, so that's part of it is protect your own peace. Why would you let somebody else take your peace from you? Take your, your comfort, your own ability to be calm. You're only hurting yourself by agitating yourself. And you're letting someone else by whatever they've said. Yeah, maybe it bothers you. But, you know, I think that's, again, it goes back to the knowing yourself because I can only say and do that now because I figured out exactly who I, I feel like I am. I, I have, you know, I've been down this path and um, I have more confidence in, in doing those things now. So now as that person, it's my responsibility when other people say agitating things, I, I try to keep hold that hold that space uh, within myself of remaining peaceful and trying to show them a different way or um, hardest in my car. I will tell you that there are some really bad drivers in Chicago and there are some things that I would rather do than wave nicely. I'll tell you, but I try to wave nicely. You know who um, I'm going to drop another like random person, but you know, Michael Singer, right? The author of the untethered soul. I, yeah, his book's on my shelf right over Okay, he, he does. Yeah, I love it because he love I just, his book. just listened to him because he was talking about um, places in life that we can practice. It doesn't always have to be like these huge things, these huge undertakings, but he basically talks about the car, that he likes to drive about five miles over the speed limit, but he finds that there's other people who like to drive 20 miles under the speed limit, wherever this is that he lives. I'm glad I don't live there. And, um, <laughs> but what he recognized is that that's a place to practice is he'll say to himself, I like to drive five miles an hour over. They like to drive, that's my preference. Their preference is to drive 20 miles under. Who am I to think my preference is better than theirs? And it kind of brings him back to like actually realizing like, why am I making this big, why am I making a boulder out of it? Because if you're getting that mad driving, like road rage, he, he goes on to talk about this, but like road rage is all about a place where we explode because we haven't addressed things in our lives in other places. Totally true. That's really, it's, yeah. it's, it was a really cool talk. I want to, um, I love that. I'm gonna have to check that one out. And it's, you know, we practice, I would say that we actually, though, we, we you know, you practice on your mat, if, you know, you're a yogi or, in your meditation space or whatever, but that's your test in real life. That's where you have to be able to apply it. And there's no point in going to the yoga studio and doing all the work if you're not going to bring it into your real life. So those are the ways that you, you live it. You know, I've gotten in the habit now. I bless people from my car. I've learned, you know, I say nice things to them instead and tell them to have a good day because I've realized the power of even trying to send that message of how it changes me. 
it takes my angry washing machine in my chest, you know, discomfort uh, at them for whatever they did to me on the road to, uh, you know, re uplifts me and um, makes me feel a little joyful, even to say nice words. I usually try to say them out loud if I'm in my car. Other things like saying, being kind to your barista, you know, we're always another place we're on our phones, even when, if you're at a Starbucks and you pay with your app or whatever, but how often do you look at them in the eyes and ask them how their day was? And this has become one of those really tiny, joyful moments for me in um, my daily life. Like Chicago's kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a rough city. It's, you know, people are shouting sometimes and there's a lot of people on the streets and, you know, running around in the same direction or different directions, running and bumping into each other on their phones, you know, skyscrapers and cabs and it can give you that rushed feeling, but, uh, I've started to challenge myself to create more moments of meaning during those experiences. Cause I haven't really been enjoying those, that rushedness of looking strangers in the eye and saying hello, or even just smiling, seeing what response I get at the Starbucks or, you know, when you're stopping to get your lunch. And, and it's one of those things that sounds kind of silly, I think, but it's really impacted my life in some good ways. Well, and it's, I mean, we live in a world with 7 billion people and people are lonelier than they've ever been. So the, we, the things that we're doing clearly aren't working, right? The media, yeah. the social media, it's not, it might, it does provide, look, we wouldn't know each other if it weren't for it. Yeah. And it doesn't actually provide the actual connection. Even this, I was just reading that on a video conversation like we're having, there's no, you, you can't get the, um, human connection because I can't actually look you in the eye because the camera's not your eye. Like if I look you in your eyes, then I'm not looking in the camera. And so there's actually a disconnect between, and it just can't be matched that you have with another person. So I think one of the things that you can get that you can have a connection with somebody. It only takes a minute. It doesn't have to be, you know, a two hour sitting down talking about your life. Um, Correct. I want to quickly jump in and look at, uh, (laughs) cause you brought this up and I think it's pretty funny. Um, (laughs) the whole thing about you come kind of come back to stress, but like the stress and the too much stimulation that, um, all forms of kind of exercise or relaxation are not always the letting go that people think they are. Oh yes. It's like running uphill on a treadmill is not necessarily a stress reducer that you might think. Yes. It is. Yes. People will tell me when I ask them ways that they relax, it's often things like watching TV, which is stimulating your brain. So it's not in a way that isn't actually relaxation. Um, and a lot of like running CrossFit, working out heavy lifting. Um, so back to the, the focus thing, we can't be focused on breaking a sweat and relaxing. They're opposites. So when you're focused on breaking a sweat and you're focused on getting your workout in, that's what you're focused on. And unfortunately, most people, especially in America and our Western culture here, um, only know, only now know relaxation by exhaustion. And so they think that they're relaxing themselves because of the way they feel when they're done with a workout, but because they feel tired and that kind of like sort of feels like relaxation, relaxation, <laughs> but most of the time it's just pure exhaustion. They've just pushed themselves over the limit. And a lot of that hardwired physical activity, like the heavy physical activity also releases stress hormones. So it doesn't ever take you out of your chronic fight or flight. If you're someone that is already existing that, which again, most people, according to all the statistics, most people are, um, like crazy numbers, like that like at least like three fourths of the country are living in the state of stress for the most part. Does, um, so then that's does, just perpetuating it. And so you're never really getting a, a rest. Does reading count as rest in your opinion? You know, I actually, so I, I do the science-based research. Um, I'm like a huge fan of Einstein and Newton and a lot of the like energy scientists um, and a lot of brain science and brain theory. So I actually don't know the real answer on that one. 
I put rela- I put reading as a relaxation activity because it is more restful than watching TV. Um, but for me personally, sometimes I find when I want to do something relaxing, reading isn't the right thing for me because I've been staring at a screen for too long. And honestly, my eyes are just tired. I, I also do a lot on a screen. Um, even though I teach yoga and meditation and all of that, I do almost all of it from home. Um, so my more restful activities are things like just pure silence or listening to music without words. Um, and I like to write a lot and I will write in an actual paper journal, uh, as that time to step away. Uh, I also read real books, not a Kindle, take a lot of baths as my relaxation time. Uh, and yeah, like real rest sitting in nature. I mean, I will sit and just be still. Something I used to never, ever, ever be able to do. Oh man, when I think back about the ashram and being in silence for 12 days and what an insane person I was back then and how much I transformed to being able to be still at this point, it's actually kind of funny. Takes practice. You don't think that you have to practice relaxing, but you do. No, absolutely. I, um, I've been trying to do, instead of, always writing my gratitude lists, which I still do on certain days. I've been trying to do where I wake up and the first thing I do when I open my eyes is just look at the ceiling and actually say what I'm grateful for, whether it be out loud or in my head. Yes. Um, and I can, and huge fan of saying it out loud, by the way, maybe uh, have power in like speaking it and putting it out there. I really like writing it. Like for me writing it. Cause we usually, when I write it, I'm saying it, it's like, I get all kind of all of it. Yeah. But Hey, it doesn't, some days I get up and I go right to yoga or something. So, and I don't, I don't want to create that extra time, but I still want to do the exercise. But I, I noticed that it's tough. There's days where I like do that and I'll fall right back asleep or like, I can't, I'm like, you get restless, like for two seconds. Um, but I, I think people and including myself and you and everyone else, it's like, we just have to be reminded, Hey, it's all just practice. Like, it's 100%. Life is just a big game of practice. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with anyone. And I hope I want to make that really clear. Like nobody's doing anything wrong. We just are all caught up in the same. We all got caught up in the same thing. And I think then, you know, now people are starting to realize that we got disconnected from those pieces of ourselves. Well, and it's, and it's not, I love that you say that we're not doing anything wrong. It's also that it's just not working in the way that we've always, that we necessarily want it to work, right? Like our technology has worked to create some incredible things. Yeah. And the consequence is it's also worked to create some things that aren't working for us. So it's kind of you and a lot it's of... It's time other, to reevaluate. Yeah. And you and a lot of other people in the world aren't saying like, hey, let's go get rid of technology. Let's just use it in a different way so that we can get the benefits of technology and the benefits of other things as well. So we can be... I want to say like a more whole and complete human and actually enjoy our lives more. Right. Cause yeah. I think that's all anybody wants. If, Hey, if you're on your phone 24 seven and you are genuinely happy and satisfied and like do your thing. Yeah. But often People I think the, aren't though. exactly they're using it to mindlessly scroll. And so you bring up, that's a really good point about how you use technology. You know, I teach on an app called meditation live. Um, you know, the live classes, there's on demand classes, to me, that's been a really powerful way to use technology. We're, um, you know, connecting people to come together and hold each other accountable to care about ourselves, to share our experiences on these amazing, you know, personal growth journeys. Uh, I connect with my one-on-one clients every day on, on Zoom like this, and I know so do you. Those are amazing ways to use technology, and those are the powerful ways and the ways that we need to continue to use it to innovate in businesses. Um, but to help people to create a further reach around the world. Yes. Great things. But it's that most people in their day to day are actually using it in a way that's triggering negativity because it's mindless scrolling combined, combined with comparison, combined with fear. And, you know, they're tri- the, the things that they're looking at to relax, maybe then also triggering emotions that aren't good or putting them in a mental place that isn't really where they want to be. It's also all on autopilot, right? Like when I wake up or I, and I do this, like, and I, and I, it's funny cause I don't want to, if I actually choose, but I wake up and I'm one, if I'm not jumping off to go to yoga or doing gratitude, my default response will be my phone. 
And what I, I, I want to be really intentional, like my def, it's a default response. I'm not saying, oh, I'd really like to look at my phone right now. I wonder what's happening in the world. It's an automatic reach, grab, look. And then all of a sudden it's like, what am I doing? Yeah, like an impulse. That, yeah. And I think that that's kind of what you're pointing to is if we're not actually deciding, we're impulsively and out of habit doing things that aren't serving the lives that we want. You, so many of us want to be happier. We want to be more satisfied. We want to be more relaxed. We want more freedom. We want more calmness. And yet we're ha- our habits and our behaviors are Don't. doing the things that create the opposite of what we want. Yeah. And that's really where, hey, there's nothing wrong, but you're not getting the result you want. So you kind of have to change your behavior. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Intentional living and habits. Those were the two things you just said that like, I think are really worth pointing out and honing in on. It's, yes. it's, you know, are you in being intentional or are you not? Are you letting your thoughts mindless scrolling in your brain? You know, it's the same thing. Are we, are we totally just mindlessly scrolling through life or are you taking that pause to check in with yourself and make sure that you're living more intentionally and doing things that line up with who you want to be? Doesn't even have to be who you are right now. You can pick who you want to be, work towards it. Yeah, I love it. I think it's not that you can, that's like the opportunity. It's like you get to create your future and your life the way you want, but it does require you created intentionally. Yeah. Like it's not just going to It's work. Yeah. You can do it. You just have to be willing to put the work in. How do, so you brought it up a second ago. How do people, if people want to like do your meditations, hear about your meditations, I know you have live ones you also have recorded. Like where do people go to listen to get these meditations? Um, yeah. So people can either find out more about me on my website, www.artisanpharmacy.com. Artisan, A-R-T-I-S-A-N, but pharmacy is spelled F-A-R-M-A-C-Y.com. and I'll play on words and uh, so you can find out more about my coaching and just in general you know me and connect with me on Instagram from there I would love to to meet you chat with you Uh, but then I also have an app meditation live uh, that I teach on you can download in either the Google or Apple iPhone store and uh, check out my on-demand videos or join me for an internationally live broadcasted class and then some of your yoga stuff that's pretty cool that I just know about, like if people want to find out, is that all on your website? Like when you do these yoga events all around Chicago and is that? Yeah, okay. everybody, everything's pretty much on my website. Cool. And I have like a, I have one last question. And Instagram. <laughs> um, the beast. <laughs> I have one last question. Okay. Well, it's a, two, it's a two-parter. What's the huge big scary goal or dream that you're working to create right now and what are you what breakthrough are you going to have to have to make it happen oh i don't know that's not acceptable i know but this is literally (laughs) what i'm i know this is literally what i'm trying to do right now i actually just hit like everything on my goal list in the last that i had had that it was like on my radar which is incredible and amazing and i'm so pumped um, but I have to set some new goals for myself. So we might have to revisit that. Like, also, I want to talk about your fear versus love. My fear versus love. You want to talk I about that right now? The best advice I ever got from you that I use all the time. You want responding to in, yeah, responding in love well, over fear. Out of, we got, we're out of context. Do you want to give, okay. well, I'll let you off the hook because you just gave me a really nice compliment, but go for it. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, you asked me a question once, was I responding to a situation? Um, it was a difficult conversation I was having with someone and you asked me if I was, if my response to them and what I wanted, how I wanted to respond was from a place of love or a place of fear. And I realized in that moment that I was responding from a place of fear, which was funny because I didn't think I had an issue with fear, but I did. And you really helped me, like, even in the last, this was like nine months ago. And that is probably like, it's, it's a piece of advice that I use now with my clients and has been a mindset shift that has been really important to me. And it's like a, a question that I just now ask myself before I respond to a situation. Is this out of 
um, fear of what might happen? Is it future-based? So kind of going back to the mind in the moment things too. Is it because I'm afraid of what might happen if um, it doesn't go the way I want? Or, you know, I realized that these, these things were all attached to something. And that whenever I took a step back and thought about how love would respond, which was what you asked me to do, the answer was always different. It's really cool. I, thanks for sharing that. And I know the impact. I mean, you've shared with me. And you've also, the coolest part about it is you've gotten to reflect it back to me, right, when I needed to hear it. Like, give, it, give my own advice right back to me. Um, I heard it the other day put... I'm trying to remember how it was, but it was, um, we can apply this to anything in our lives that if from, oh, it was about motivation that somebody looked at that question, fear versus love and said, but love isn't motivating. And I, and I love when I heard this cause I went, Ooh, this is juicy. Like, wait, where are we going to, did, did somebody just punch a hole in like the fear love versus fear. And the response that the person, I wish I remember where this was, it was on a podcast, but um, was that love is absolutely motivating. Love has created just as many things in the world as fear. Like fear can be a huge motivator, right? People build massive companies out of fear and make tons of money and, and create all sorts of success from fear. And we don't think about love, but people have fought wars over love. Sure. Yeah. And, but think about this even smaller when you're in love, what will you do and go out of your way to create for somebody? What will you, what uh, things will you do? What behaviors will you change? What actions will you take when you're really in love? And it's highly motivating to be like when you're in love. And, and there's even an argument that says, hey, if you're actually unwilling to do things like that, you're probably not in love. You might think yeah. you are, but... Love. I would challenge people, though, too, to take it one step further than romantic love sure. and love. And so I've applied this in two other ways. Love with, ever, with anyone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to think about how you would respond to something, to walk yourself through. How would I respond in this situation if I really loved this person, if they were my mother? they're my sibling or someone, you know, a friend that you're really close to your spouse, whatever, any of those people, regardless of who they are. And also when you're talking to yourself, yeah, a lot yeah. of people talk to themselves out of their own fear and talk to themselves negatively out of their own fear and things. And they don't even talk to themselves in love. So I think there are a lot of different ways to apply that one piece of advice and it's just really solid. Thanks. I don't know. I don't know where I got it, but probably from 10 other amazing, brilliant people. Um, I'm glad I could share it. I'm glad the impact that it has. I'm and just going to think I, of it as yours. Cool. And it well, look, and it keeps helping me too. So it's not, <laughs> it's an ongoing practice. Um, Corinne, I want to acknowledge you and thank you. Thanks for doing this. Um, thanks for being here on the podcast. Thanks for sharing your journey. I mean, we, you and I could have like five more podcasts on uh, <laughs> and go deeper into all the things you do and, and your experience. Um, but thanks for sharing your life. Sh- thanks for sharing your wisdom, your, your brilliance, your heart, um, the spiritual lessons you've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just being so accessible, like you're all over, people can find you and get from you. Um, and they can give back or they can just take, like there's so many ways to access the work that you've done. Uh, and I think that you really lead by example. So thanks for being someone you're, you know, that continues to do the work on yourself so you can help other people do the work on themselves. You are too sweet. That is, those are some very kind, very generous, humbling words. Um, honestly, I feel it sounds really cheesy, but I feel super lucky to be able to share the things, you know, that other people have taught me. None of these are my ideas. I can't take credit for any of them. People have been practicing them for like 5,000 years. But <laughs> uh, but uh, there, so there are a lot of people that came before me, but I feel really blessed that I get to do it now. So, um, so yeah, find, you know, find something, practice, start your journey, chat with me if you want to, or just like Alex said, find some content I have out there and hopefully it will help you in some way, shape, or form. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you. And thank you for being one of my biggest motivators, inspirations, and supports. Love you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Love you too. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.